now it's time for more on the Trump front. Trump has been attacking California in a variety of ways through taxation, on energy and the environment, on immigration. For comment and analysis, we turn to Harold Meyerson. He's executive editor of the American Prospect and a regular contributor to the LA Times op-ed page and other publications. We reached him today in our nation's capital. Harold, welcome back. Always good to be here, John. Well, maybe we should start with the big political news from uh, Orange County. Ed Royce, who represents northern Orange County in the House and has been there for something like 26 years, just announced he is retiring. That switches his district from Leans Republican to Leans Democratic in November. I wonder if you have any comment on Ed Royce pulling out of his reelection campaign. Sure. Well, I mean, the Democrats were getting restless and the Republicans are now Royceless. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, just uh, impulse on my part. Uh, Yeah, Royce is one of four Orange County Republican members of Congress whose districts were carried by Hillary Clinton, who also was the first Democrat, uh, Democratic presidential candidate to carry Orange County since the Franklin Roosevelt landslide of 1936 when actually I don't think there were more than 1936 people living in Orange County back then. (laughs) And uh, uh, all four were regarded uh, as somewhat endangered, and that was before the Republican tax bill uh, was uh, voted into law. By eliminating the uh, state and local uh, deduction, or rather limiting it to $10,000, that has a severe impact on actual existing voters in each of those four Orange County districts, uh, the impact being they're going to look at uh, a much higher tax bill. Uh, for that reason, the, the the two members of Congress regarded as the most endangered in California, that being Daryl Issa, who only won by about 1,600 votes in 2016, and uh, Dana Rohrabacher, uh, who is, as everyone knows, uh, Vladimir Putin's favorite Congress member, uh, they were uh, the only two Republicans out of the 14 in California who voted against the tax bill. Royce and uh, Mimi Walters voted for it. But in each of these uh, members' districts, probably about one-third of uh, taxpayers are going to see a significant rise in in their taxes as a result of this bill. And in uh, Mimi Walters and uh, Daryl Ice's district, it gets close to half. So Royce probably looked at the tea leaves and uh, said, uh, you know, I don't need this. I've I've been to some meetings of Indivisible in Royce's district, and there's already... I mean, there have been people walking precincts, uh, as it were, against Royce for almost a year now, and uh, there are uh, a, a slew of candidates positioned to run against, uh, were, who were positioned to run against him and are now running for an open seat. So I think this portends what, what people were e- e- expecting, which is uh, Democratic pickups in the House, particularly in California. Let me underline the demographic changes in Orange County since Royce was first elected in 1992. That year, his district was more than 60 percent white. Today, Latinos and Asian Americans make up more than 65 percent of his district. Whites are just 28 percent of the constituents in that district. Of course, turnout is a big issue, and that's why Indivisible and these other groups are so important to uh, help organize and mobilize uh, formerly unregistered voters. 
And if you look at the demographic a little more closely, one of the peculiarities of Royce's district is that it is a home to one of the largest Vietnamese uh, populations in the country, if ever have any congressional district. And there's a dynamic there that is in, in some ways like that of uh, the, the Cubans who uh, came to Florida. That is to say, any population that is fleeing a communist takeover has historically tended to vote with the party more oriented towards the hardline Cold War policies, which has been the Republicans, a reputation they uh, uh, seem to be uh, in an interesting, ambiguous relationship with Vladimir Putin right now, but that's a a side issue. However, we've seen among uh, Cuban Americans, and we're seeing among Vietnamese Americans, uh, a a familiar dynamic. Um, That is to say, the original generation that fled tends to retain a a kind of conservative political uh, bent, less so among their children and hardly at all among their grandchildren, which is one reason why Florida has become a swing state as opposed to a clearly Republican state. And I I think this dynamic is becoming increasingly clear in uh, what's been Ed Royce's district, or else Hillary uh, Clinton would not have carried it in 2016. Well, the second big political news about California is uh, the Trump administration's announcement that 200,000 Salvadorians are going to be forced to leave the United States and return to their country of origin, where, of course, there's high unemployment and a lot of uh, gang violence. The Trump administration is canceling what is called temporary protected status for Salvadorians, even though they've Many of them have lived in this country since 2001. They've raised families. Their kids are in college now. Why uh, in L.A., in the Los Angeles area, there are 30,000 Salvadorians. Why does the Trump administration want to get rid of these people? I would also add that this is not uh, disproportionately California, though it is heavily Californian. The the state uh, where Salvadorans comprise the highest percentage of uh, foreign-born residents is actually Virginia. Uh, The D.C. area has a very large number of Salvadorians. There's a terrific Salvadorian restaurant one and a half blocks from where I live. So uh, uh, I I see this all the time. Well, this is the uh, primitive nativism of Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions and Stephen Miller and the primitive nativists and racists who uh, are in that in positions of power, and it it also plays to that portion of their base, which presumably is uh, desirous of creating, uh, making America white again. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's it's a completely idiotic, disruptive, anti-human uh, position to take. Uh, it's not clear what, if any, legal options the uh, uh, Salvadorians here under the uh, temporary protected status program have they have until uh some point in 2019 you know to either secure uh some kind of legal status somehow or else be uh, expelled uh so it's a pretty grim future that that most of them are facing then trump announced on tuesday kind of out of the blue that he's for a bipartisan comprehensive immigration reform bill that will be what he called quote a bill of love Do you think this is just hot air, or do you think we're going to get a bipartisan, comprehensive immigration reform bill? 
Well, I, I think we have to take uh, into consideration that Trump has been known to tweet or say virtually anything. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and whether to put any stock in what he just, uh, in, in the quote you cited, um, is anybody's guess. You know, I mean, it suggests that uh, the Democrats should be dealing for, in that case, the complete legalization and uh, citizenship right to become citizens not just for the dreamers, but for uh, almost all of the 11 million undocumented folks who are here in the United States. But, you know, it's it's not clear what Trump's uh, price for this is. A wall, two walls, three walls, we don't know. (laughs) It's also clear that sort of systemic programmatic thinking, which we already knew was not his forte, uh, we now know that even more uh, with the publication of Michael Wolff's book. So it's hard to know what, if any, stock to put in Trump's statements like that. You mentioned the Republican tax bill, which caps the deduction for state and local taxes uh, at $10,000. This is a fiendish attack on the blue states, on the Democratic states, which have higher taxation. I think it's the first time in history there's ever been a tax bill that created higher taxes for the political opponents of the uh, majority party. California is not taking this lying down as the biggest blue state. There is this scheme that if you, well, you explain what the scheme is. Well, there are uh, a couple of schemes being floated nationally. The one that seems to be getting the most traction is to allow folks who would be subject to much higher taxes as a result of this to make contributions, charitable contributions to the state or some state programs, which they can then write off on their taxes and becomes a de facto deduction, which the federal government now still recognizes. There's an alternative proposal out there uh, from Dean Baker, and we actually, I think we're the only publication, the American Prospect, which is run a piece by uh, Dean on on this subject, which is to really sort of shift the tax burden to payroll taxes, which are still deductible, and employers would essentially pay more but take the difference out of their workers' wages. It's a complicated proposal that has the virtue in some ways of being more progressive than the charitable deduction, but also uh, in California, it turns out, any jiggling around with the state income tax as such requires a constitutional amendment, which requires a vote of the public. So it gets much more complicated. So therefore, California, led by the state Senate president, Kevin DeLeon, is looking at uh, the charitable deduction uh, dodge, which is George Skelton of the LA Times notes, is kind of a crazy idea, but under the circumstances, a, a justifiable one. Kevin DeLeon, president of the California State Senate, who is the leading force behind this idea of making charitable contributions to the state of California, which would then be counted against your taxes for the state and yet still be a federal deduction. Kevin DeLeon is running for the Senate seat, which Dianne Feinstein is refusing to give up. What do you make of that race? Well, I think Kevin DeLeon is, is, has emerged over a number of years as the really leading legislative genius of, of California in passing far-reaching legislation on climate change, on uh, minimum wage, on workers' rights, on creating a, a retirement program for low-wage workers, and, and on, on immigration issues in particular, has really been leading the pushback in the state. He's the author of the Sanctuary State Bill. So in many ways, I think Kevin DeLeon is really the personification 
of the new diverse progressive California. Diane Feinstein, if she were to be reelected and serve out her six-year term, would be 91 years old when that term expires. Uh, but she's also a more conservative Democrat who in the past has voted for the Iraqi war and for uh, round one of George W. Bush's tax cuts. So uh, I think on uh, political grounds, uh, the, the unquestionably progressives should be supporting Kevin DeLeon. I should add, no significant Republican has entered this race at all. So this is really a Democrat versus Democrat contest. And California still has this top two system. The top two vote getters in the primary in June go on the ballot in November. It seems like the same two will appear on both ballots and that they're each going to spend millions of dollars on this, doesn't it? That, that, yes, yes, it does. I wish uh, they would and, spend those millions of dollars on uh, registering and turning out voters in the flipping the Republican districts for the House. I imagine you do, too. I do, too, although I must say the fact that DeLeon is likely to be on the ballot in November and uh, in the governor's race, Antonio Villaraigosa is likely to be on the ballot in November, I think will produce a higher Latino turnout, which will have spillover effects in those congressional races. What are the political prospects for the Democrats recapturing the House in November? I think they're pretty good. Uh, They need to pick up, uh, is it 23 or 24 seats? Uh, I think most of the national polling gives them a a lead uh, slightly in excess of 10%. Uh, I, I think they're pretty good. And I think also, I should add, with the Democrats now picking up a U.S. Senate seat in Alabama, I think they have a pretty good chance of, of uh, picking up uh, the Senate as well. And if we're talking about uh, Latino turnout, we should note that on Tuesday, the notorious Joe Arpaio announced he was running uh, for yes. the uh, open Senate seat in Arizona. I think that'll have a little effect boosting Latino turnout in Arizona as well. Harold Meyerson, read him at the American Prospect at prospect.org. Harold, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Great to be here, John. Thank you. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.